God, we thank you so much for your spirit, for guiding us and for helping us and strengthening us and for your revelation, for uh, your revelation, for wisdom, Lord, for uh, for seeking you and finding you, Lord. We thank you that you are here with us, that your presence is here, that you are uh, taking us from faith to faith and glory to glory. We thank you, Lord, that you are you're needing us together uh, to be on one accord to to do your work and to do your will. And we just thank you for this word. We thank you for this message. Um, our hearts and our eyes and our ears are open to what you have to say to us. And we thank you that we will be able to apply what we learn today in our daily lives to uh, to be a better reflection of you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So um, this has been mulling over in my heart. And so I... Uh, um, I just pray that it is very clear and um, and that you hear what the Lord is saying to us. I feel like it's an, a now word for the church. Um, I feel that Lord, the Lord is calling his church to a higher place. Um, if COVID did anything, it revealed where the church is. Um, it, you know, wherever the cracks were, um, it split those wide up and down. Um, and split the foundation. And it's like the jig is up, church. You are not, the foundation of churches all over America are not on, on the cornerstone. They are not on Jesus. Um, the, the church has been filled with religious and wicked people for far too long. And now is the time for the church to be built on the rock. The only rock that was ever created for the church to be built on and to have been standing on. And I feel like God is saying, is asking, who will build my church? Who will build it on my son? Who will be obedient to me? And so um, I feel like um, this is how we can get there. Um, so one of the things that we have to understand about God is that he is, uh, there is an order to things. There is a process for everything. The word shows that. There's a cause and effect. Um, so there are processes that need to be followed um, everything has its place. God wouldn't make anything and not have a plan for it. Um, have you ever heard of a puzzle creator making extra puzzle pieces just in case you lose some? Ever? Have you ever opened a puzzle and there's just, oh, you know, just in case? <laughs> How would the puzzle creator know what pieces you would lose? He wouldn't. The only way to know would be to make an exact replica of that puzzle. But then what, does, what happens to that other puzzle? It doesn't have all its pieces. That's not how God works. Everything has its place. Um, so there's an order to everything. Baking is another example. So I baked two strawberry cakes last week. I got a little overzealous and overconfident and added some sour cream to the second cake, which is fine and dandy. That makes the cakes more moist, but I didn't measure it. So the cake did not come out very good. And baking is one of those things you have to be very exact. There is almost no room for error whatsoever. You will not get a cake. So um, you cannot divert from the directions and the recipe. It messes up the whole thing. So we have to be sure to follow the processes. We have to make sure to follow what God is telling us. And that's so important when we're reading scripture because sometimes people take pieces of scripture out and then they're like, well, why isn't this working? Well, you probably haven't been doing the whole thing. So in order to stay on any type of processes, 
we have to establish discipline. We have to. Um, so I love looking up the meaning of words. So discipline is training, learning. It's rigorous training effort of an experience. It's adversity. Discipline is adversity. Because a lot of times we're doing something we don't want to do. Um, it's control. It's development. It's preparation. This is my favorite part. It's retraining of your will. That's good. You know, because God created us um, as we are free will. We have our own free will. The beauty in that is when we give that to him, when we give our mind, our will, and our emotions back to him. That's what he wants. And there are, um, but there are things that come with that. There's ways that we need to do that, and we can do that successfully. Because what we've been doing is trying to do things out of our own strength, out of our own might. It's not working out. So um, before I talk about getting the meat and potatoes of what I um, wanted to talk about, kind of wanted to drop another nugget that we're going to pick up a little later. But uh, Proverbs 3 and 7 says, Do not, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. This will be healing for your body and strengthening for your bones. That's important. It tells us, okay, so there's healing for our body and strengthening for our bones. Well, how do we get that? Not being wise in our own eyes, fearing the Lord, and turning away from evil. So um, one of the ways, and I'm, uh, if you want to turn to 2 Corinthians 10 and 3, and we're going to talk about that, but I want to kind of um, set, the t set the scene. So the best example of discipline at work successfully is the military. The military is a selected group of people that are recruited, that have successfully undergone an array of physical tests, mental tests, emotional tests, and then are chosen to participate in vigorous and private training for several months, depending on what they've tested on and were chosen to do. So I am a military brat. I'm proud to be a military brat. As you know, because you guys are in the military as well, um, it's, a, it's a whole nother world. Civilians don't know what, what the military world is. And that's what, um, when we look at the Old Testament, one of the titles of God was the Lord of Armies. And so um, today I feel like he's calling us, he, it's a call to arms. It's, he's, um, I wouldn't say a draft, but maybe um, we are, reserve, we can think of it this way. We were reservists for a while, and now he's calling us active. So, um, but there's, there's things that we have to do to prepare ourselves and to be ready. Because what I think we've forgotten is that we're in a war and we've been lazy. And when you're in the military, you can't be lazy. You have to be on all the time. So the thing about the military, um, there are benefits to being in the military, but what are you, what are you giving away? You're, you're committing your life for an odd, so ever many amount of years, and they're giving you this in return, cause and effect. Uh, God is a God of absolutes. What we've been doing also is trying to find him in the gray areas. We won't. We won't find God in the gray areas. He's black and white. So um, I can't speak on commanders and all of that in the military, but my dad, um, he the his discipline style was authoritative. So... Um, we would get little, like we had chores, we had a chore chart, we had a chore list, there were certain things we had to do, 
Um, and we were, we were allotted um, fun things to do, but only so many fun things. So say I went out one weekend. Well, you can't go out the following weekend. That's just how he was. He was a disciplinarian, and he was very by his book. And there was a fear that came with that. There's a fear. There, there's a fear that um, is activated in you when you're in the military, when you're in basic training, a fear of your commander, you know, because you know a lot of times it could be a fear of getting called out, looking bad, looking weak. So uh, that fear ignites something inside of you, and you don't want to get caught off guard. And that's the thing is the church is not afraid of the Lord anymore. That's, and we have to be. We have to fear the Lord. And it's not the same kind of fear where you're always anticipating something bad happening. It's a reverent fear. And we don't have that. And we need to get, we need to get that back. So when you go into the military, uh, that person is not the same person when they arrived and took an oath. When they signed on the dotted line and agreed to give up their rights for a certain amount of time. They took, they, they, so this is the cool part. When you are in the military and you finish basic, all that time in basic training, they're, they are teaching you how to look like them. There's a certain look to it. There's a certain look in God's army too. There should be a way that people can see who we are, see our uniform without us saying a word. Just, and even when, um, and ev when you're in the military, you can almost kind of recognize other people in the military even when they don't have the uniform on. And that's important. I'm sure you guys probably knew before you knew that Joe was in the military that he was because he had a look about him. There's certain haircuts. There's a certain uh, physical look, too. And that's what God wants for us to have, too. He wants us to be able to go around and look like him and not have to say a word. There's a type of uniform that goes with uh, being in God's army. So they look like they belong to the army. And I'm just using the army right now to be relevant to our context, but they have a special uniform they wear to distinguish them from anyone else. You know where they belong without them having to open their mouth. There are many things that come with being in the military, not just benefits, but the wonderful thing about these benefits is that they're not just for you, but they are carried on through generations. <laughs> That's awesome. Because there's benefits to being in the, Lord, in, in the um, army of the Lord. When you're in the military and have made that commitment, you have a squadron to hold you accountable. Uh, you have people that you can count on, people that you learn about and that you grow a strong bond with. Um, you have uh, commanders that stay on top of your performance and you have to maintain a certain physical fitness to be able to continue to perform at an optimal level. You have to learn to march in unison, to be a part of a, a squadron, and you learn to be on one accord and to protect one another in the event of war. So this is where I want to start at 2 Corinthians 10, 3, and 5. So the military was created for war and protection. So um, we are in the Lord's army. So I'm going to read, uh, I'm going to start at 3 and go to 5. For although we live in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh, since the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments in every high and lofty, proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So to destroy here means reduce to useless fragments or useless form. 
to kill, to render ineffective, to defeat immediately, immediately. One of the problems that we have, like I said earlier, is we're not following all the processes. So it says here that um, we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, that these uh, that they're powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. So we're learning a couple of things here. We're learning that the warfare is ours, that we're in war, and that there's weapons that we've been given, and that they're only through God. That's the only way that we have these weapons is through God. And what do they? What do these weapons do? They're specifically made to demolish strongholds. And you think about a military base. That's a stronghold. It's a fortress. It's created to protect whether it's keeping things out or keeping things in. And in this case, the strongholds that we have are keeping things in. So um, why are we operating as if we're not in war? We know we're in a war. We got comfortable somewhere. We all, And that doesn't mean, and see, the thing is, I think some, what sometimes what people think is, um, Maybe they think about David, how he was always in war. That's not, that's not what it means. We're not always going to be in an active war, but there's war going around. It's, 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 this world is a, is a battlefield. And what we have to remember is that we have to always be on guard. Sometimes what we're doing is we're going out and we don't have the full armor of God on. Maybe we didn't prepare ourselves with the word what good is that going to do if you got everything else? You got the breastplate of righteousness. You got the um, uh, the shield of faith, but you didn't really uh, follow up with the word. You're missing pieces. There's holes in your armor, so you're going to get messed up. So that's why we have to follow the word in its entirety. And actually, I would like to um, turn there. Ephesians six. I didn't necessarily think I would, but okay. All right, so I'm going to start at 611. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggles, struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason... Take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. We can't go around with half of our armor. We have to put our full armor of God on. For too long, we've been walking, we've, we haven't been walking around with the full armor of God and we wonder why things are the way that they are in the church today. We have not been standing in our authority and it shows all around us. The church is filled with watered down doctrine and double mindedness. And I wanted to talk about double-mindedness because the Lord um, was showing me where I had been double-minded in believing for my physical healing. What I was doing, so the, this, one of the things that I do is I doubt a lot. I did. 
and the Lord's been helping me. See, uh, he reminded me that, see, I thought I first got saved in March of 2006, but that was not correct. I have known the Lord my whole life. Not, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't have a Bible accessible to me, but I knew the Lord. My dad, inadvertently, which is awesome because he's not serving the Lord, but he, he gave us the nuggets of the Lord. He told us every year when we were little, when we were little that uh, what Easter and Christmas were about and that you needed to accept Jesus as your Savior. And I did when I was little. So I talked to God every night. I prayed every night, but I didn't have everything else I needed, so I didn't know. So as I got older, I started doubting that I was really hurt hearing the Lord. So um, I remember when I was having a lot of uh, physical issues in my body, and I prayed, and I heard the Lord say that they were going, when I went to the doctor, they were going to give me a diagnosis of lupus. And I thought to myself, that's so weird. Why would he like, but I, he gave me what I, what I asked for. And when I went, that was exactly correct. And what I started believing was that he's, when you, when you ask, he'll answer. But, and it, he wasn't telling me that so that I could sit there and wallow in that and get lost in it. It was because we've got to name what we're up against so that we know exactly what to do with it. God is a God of processes. We, just like um, if you see it in the, in the Bible a lot when they're casting out, um, devils and stuff. There, it, you have to know what you're dealing with. You need to know. So I was glad that he told me that. So I knew what I was up against. I knew how to pray. Then I had my, my um, prayer worry with me, my mama. She went with me. And so I went on this journey of healing from the inside out. There was a lot of things that I learned. Um, the diagnosis of lupus was from fear. And the thing about fear is it's tricky. Fear doesn't always look like high heart rate, sweaty palms, anxiety. It comes in, it can come in real smooth and slick. Like, I thought to myself, I bought, I've I've um, been a biter of my nails since I was probably three years old. I thought, oh, it's because I'm bored. What? Who bites their nails because they're bored? No, it's because I um, had some issues with anxiety, but I didn't know because I didn't recognize it as fear. And so the moment I recognized it as fear, I was able to have power over that. So we have to be shrewd as serpents because things are going to come against you and they're going to camouflage themselves. There, there's so many things out there that almost looks like the truth, but there's one thing wrong with it. But people don't pick up on it a lot of times. They think they'll, 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 they'll forget about this part. They'll just see all the, oh, all of this is truth. Okay, we ain't going to worry about this part. But if it's not all truth, then it's all a lie. There are no such things as half-truths or half-lies. It's either all the truth or all a lie. So um, God's a God of absolutes. We have to stop trying to fit him into the gray areas. It either is or it's not. And that's what we've been doing in the church. We've been tolerant. We've been allowing things that we know good and well aren't in the word. Not at all. For whatever reason, whether it's because we are trying to add to the numbers, which that's not how it's going to happen. Uh, there is a scripture in Acts that actually says that um, they feared the Lord. They walked in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and he added to the church. So um, we, we got to make sure we're walking in the fear of the Lord and with the Holy Spirit. 
and he'll add to us. We can't do it on ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. You guys know in particular, this church is special. Not everybody's going to be here. It's provo- it's, I say provocative, not in a nasty way, but it's, it provokes you, provokes something, and you awaken something up in you. This is how church is supposed to be done. We're learning. There's a lot of churches that aren't like that because they're, they're in the gray areas. They're trying to fit God into their own agenda for whatever reason, and that's not going to work. And see, the thing is, in this part of Scripture where it says against the knowledge of God, it says in um, the Greek, it says that against the knowledge of God here means Baal. That's, I mean, if you're not God, it's the devil. There, there is nothing else. So the devil is, of course, against God. So when you're not operating in obedience and you're against his word, you're working for Baal. So what does that look like? So um, it looks like being swallowed up, befuddled. I, thought, I think that's a funny word. Confusion, being consumed being spread abroad, turned away, led astray. Have you ever heard this or have you ever said this? Being at your wit's end. When you're at that point, you're completely out of obedience to God because God is, he's not the author of confusion. So um, I really kind of want to dig a little deeper into that scripture because it's such a good scripture. So what, what we learn from this scripture is that there are arguments, lofty and high and proud things that are going to come to us that are going to be against the knowledge of God. And they're going to try to get into our thoughts. And there's two things that we know that the enemy is going to try to do to us just from the scripture. He's going to come against our knowledge of God, and he's going to try to get us to be disobedient to Christ. So how does that happen? Through doubt. If you start doubting God... Then, he's gonna, then eventually you're going to be led out of obedience to God. So, of course, what he, every day he's going to try to throw things your way to get doubts in your mind. Was that really God? Did I really hear from him? So we have to stay in his word. We learn God through his word. We build upon that knowledge and that revelation through his word and through fellowship with him. So another thing is that... What I really want you guys to do is to start really thinking about different areas or different things that could come that you have been, just think about your thought process, and it's a process. Uh, Think about things that you may not have thought about that come against God, and I'm talking about get serious with yourself. Don't, we need to start consecrating our lives. We need to start taking inventory, and I'm talking deep inventory the things you watch, every, take account into every moment, every minute that you spend when you wake up. What are you doing with every moment that you have? I've been trying, and, and that's another thing about growing up in, my, in the household that I was in, is I learned discipline. I was in track. I, I learned what it was like to push through something. I hated track. I hated it. I hated it. Did you know that, Mom? Probably didn't know that. But... I, but I never, but one thing I remember my mom said to me growing up was that I didn't complain. She would say, Nikki, you don't complain. I tried so hard to keep those things to myself because as a young girl, I learned quickly what, how powerful words were. I, lear- I got that revelation at young about words. And I wrote, I was a poet, I was a writer. So I, I recognized the power of words quickly. 
And so I tried to make sure that I didn't just say anything. So I sucked it up. I didn't tell, oh, I don't like this, or I'm tired. I just did it. And then after a hard practice in the summer, I go and throw up in the trash can or go in the bathroom and throw up. Nobody knew. I just did it. But I'm so grateful because it taught me discipline. Discipline is something that has to be taught. Can't just catch discipline. It doesn't happen that way. You have to learn it. It's a process. So how you begin with discipline is taking inventory. Find out areas that you need help in. So one of the things that I've been working on, being more consistent with getting in his word, and not just for five minutes, we need to be beyond that. I mean, we say that to people sometimes when we, get, when we walk, lead them through the sinner's prayer because we're at least trying to get them to open the Bible, you know. You don't want to overwhelm them. But at this point, being in the Lord's army, we need to know his word. We need to know his manual. We need to know what tools we've been given because we're in a war. And who goes to war without their weapons? Who does that? Nobody does. So why should we? It doesn't make sense. The, the church has allowed the world to infiltrate it, and it's gotten so backwards, and we have to fix that. Um, the Lord was, uh, like, like we've been talking about, um, consider your ways. We have to cons- begin to consider our ways. That's how we begin to build discipline in our lives, is considering our ways. So I would, and I would definitely... Uh, take time and take inventory. Um, Sometimes we get comfortable and complacent and we allow things to um, be in front of our eyes that we know we have no business watching. And sometimes it looks innocent, but remember, it may look, stay away from even the appearance of evil. And that's why God said that, because he knew that there was things that were just, they, were, they may, sometimes we think, oh, that's going to be, that's not going to be too bad. Or another thing I hear people say, oh, well, I'm saved or I'm good. I don't have issues with that anymore. Say you were delivered from pornography and you start watching, um, not pornography, but start watching rated R movies or TVMA stuff. And it's, you know how it tells you what's in it. See, I've been delivered from pornography I was heavily addicted to it when I, in my early 20s, and um, the Lord delivered me from it. But what I do is I don't watch movies with sex in it. I don't watch TVMA. I don't watch Rated R. I don't even, I don't even put myself in that position to watch stuff like that because I don't, I don't I, he's delivered me from that. Why am I going to go back? Why am I even going to play around with it? Why do we, why do we, why do, we do that? It's like... It's like we test ourselves. Oh, let me see how delivered I really am. Or, or you get kind of haughty about it. You think, oh, well, I'm delivered from it. That's not going to bother me anymore. That's like you knowing that you are delivered from drugs and, but still hanging out with the same people. That makes no sense. You can't. That's the thing is we have to completely cut it off, completely. Uh, when you're in war, when, in the military, you don't mingle with the enemy even after you defeated them. What? Oh, yeah, we defeated you. Let's hang out. No. You de- the thing is, there shouldn't be any more enemy left to hang out with. That's the problem. That's what we're doing. We're not demolishing the enemy. It says here, 
that to take every thought into captivity. Why would we have to take it into captivity? Because it's not going to go willingly. So we need to quit. We need to quit playing around with it. We have to we have to lead it to the obedience of Christ. We have to take it. It's a prisoner of war. We got to I keep imagining a big old base, a Louisville slugger, a baseball bat, taking those thoughts and just hammering them down. You have to destroy them. You have to render them useless. And that's not what we're doing. We're not following through in God's processes that he gave us. We're we we're taking the thought. Okay, we recognize in the thought. We might have a gatekeeper. You know, you might start recognizing when these thoughts are coming, and you're like, okay, okay, thought. Here you are. But what are we doing with it? We're just leaving it there. We're just oh, I acknowledge that you're here, but you're not rendering it useless. You're still allowing it to have any kind of weight in your mind, and it has to be taken completely away. You need to make a fortress and stick it inside of it, and and not let it come back. And that fortress is God, being obedient to Christ. And what I love about obedience here is it means, it literally means violent. Literally means what Jesus did on the cross, that he was beaten to a bloody pulp. That is literally how violent you have to take your thoughts captive. You have, so, um, you have to overthrow. So there's two things we have to do. We have to overthrow and destroy. Can't just do one. That is why things are so out of order because we take the Bible out of context. We don't do everything that it says to do. We can't pick and choose what parts. So a lot of times what we're doing is we're overthrowing the thoughts, but we're not destroying them. We have to do both. They're going to keep coming back. So that's one of the things that we need to do. So I encourage you to think about anything that might even remotely try to come against the knowledge of God. And there's some things that aren't as apparent as others. So you have to be very diligent, very mindful of what you're allowing in your atmosphere. It's all about associations, like Pastor's been talking about. Even friends. I'm having to do, um, what would I, how would I call, what would I call it? I'm having to do a lot of consecrating in every area of my life. I've, I have friends that I've been friends with a long time, but I, I can't, I can't, you can lead a, a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And I can't be Jesus for them. I mean, I can be a representative of him, but if they're not willing to do what they need to do, who, who am I to think that I am powerful enough to continue to put myself in those positions and think that it's not eventually going to get to me? I have to overthrow and destroy and, and that sometimes that might be the things that my friends bring along with them that isn't necessarily of God. I have to get rid of it. And it hurts, you know, but we want to look like Christ. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. And we just want to look like you. That is our goal is to look like you is so that when people see us, they see you. When um, another story that God brought to me was when God told the Israelites to rebuild the temple. He gave them specific instructions. And do you know what one of the first instructions was? And this is, to set the scene, this is when the temple, the first temple was destroyed and they were um, taken captive and in exile in Babylon. And so now there's peace and Cyrus is there in Persia and 
he's being he's being told by the Lord um, that it's time that that he needs to fund the rebuilding of the temple. So that's in Haggai one. If you would like to read it, actually, I do want to go there because it kind of which I think is so cool. I think I have it marked. Thank you, Lord. So if you want to read a, read a little bit about this, um, write down Ezra 3 and read that. It, it, it goes into this. So it goes, this talks about um, when Cyrus was told to fund the temple. You can kind of even go into Ezra 2, which is cool because it talks about the exiles returning back to Jerusalem, which you know what is incredible about the Lord is even though the Israelites were disobedient, um, the temple was destroyed, they were put into exile, and between them, them being in exile in Babylon and being released and the new temple being built, it was like 70 years. 70. That's a long time. After already having been wandering around for 40, that's crazy. So, But the beautiful thing about God is he... He took into account every single person, and he says every single person's name and the descendants here. And that's important because in the building of the second temple, there were people that remembered the old temple. And as they were building this temple, all of the older people, they're, they are crying because they're remembering what the old temple looked like. But do you know how beautiful God is that he says to them, Look at this temple. Yeah, it doesn't look like the first temple, but this temple is going to be even more glorious than the first. And who, who ended up becoming the temple? Jesus. And then, and, uh, yep, Jesus and then us. We were the temple. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So how beautiful is that? Is that even in their disobedience, even in that, in that temple being destroyed, there's what, three temples being that got destroyed basically? But he still said the next temple is going to be even more glorious than the first. That's beautiful. Because the Lord could have just destroyed them. He could have just smited them. <laughs> just, Y'all just can't get it together. Smite, you know, he could have did that, but he didn't. He loved them, and he gave them another opportunity. And it's so awesome because he honored David's heart. Because David was the one that said, God, I want to build you a temple. And God heard. And he said to the prophet Nathan, tell him, he's, why am I in, he's, he said, why are you in a Cypress house and I'm in a tent? I've been patient, David. I've been patient, son. I've been, I've been going around in a tent. You've been having me all over the place while you build your house, but it's time to build mine. And I feel like that's where we're at right now. The, our foundation is cracked because it wasn't built on the cornerstone, hasn't been built on the rock. And he's saying, I've been waiting. I've been waiting for you guys to build my temple. You guys have been spending your time building your houses and building your things and building your life. But right now is the time to build my church. It's time to build my church. And it begins with us. And the first thing that we can do is to begin to overthrow and destroy these thoughts that try to tell us who God is and who he isn't. We know who God is. It's time for us to stand in the authority that we have. It's time for us to start playing games with the world. We know that we're not meant to look like them. We're not missing nothing. We get so caught up in the fear of man and worrying about what people are going to think about us. Who cares? 
Because when we finally allow God to do what he wants to do in us and his plans and follow his processes, it's going to be so glorious and people are going to be draw, drawn near to us because of him. That's the kind of people that I want to draw in. I'm, too, I'm tired of entertaining the world. I'm tired, tired of trying to fit in. That's what, and you know, the sad part about it is there's so many things that we have on us that weren't ours from generations. Like uh, another thing with the, the temple, um, they recruited some of the 20 year olds. They weren't around when the first temple was there, but they were given the responsibility to help build it. So how, and so think about some of the things that you've been given by your parents that are baggage that you still have, like jobs. There's so many ways that we, we go around trying to make money when that was never really what God's intention was. It was for him to take care of us, but our parents didn't know, so it just keeps going generation on to generation on to generation, and God's trying to break all of that so that our foundation is him and so that we can begin to be built on the rock because we haven't been. We've been built on sinking sand, and we've been just allowing things that we just didn't know any better. It's time to get to, to know better. We can't, we, we can't start um, saying that we're ignorant anymore. We can't, we can't use that excuse. Sorry. It's, we can't do that anymore. We have to get back to fearing the Lord. So uh, go with me to Isaiah 8. Isaiah Isaiah. Isaiah 8 and 13 says, oh, sorry, 8, uh, where do I want to start? Where do I want to start? Okay, I'm going to start in 12. Actually, 11. Okay, so, for this is what the Lord said to me with great power to keep me from going the way of this people. So you can imagine who this people is. It's not the people of the Lord. Do not call everything a conspiracy that these people say is a conspiracy. So, Mom, you were right when you call people you people. <laughs> Do not fear what they fear. Do not be terrified. You are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. I think that's good. Only him. We have to stop um, having fear of other things. The only fear we should have is fear in, of the Lord and reverence for him. Hallelujah. And then I'm going to go to 19. I'm going to go down to 819, and it says... Because this is what's happening, you guys. I'm, I, I, it's just these things are happening now. Literally what's happening to the church, it's being completely demolished. But it's, it's for a good reason. It's so that the remnant can be built up for the real church to rise up. But here in 819, it says, and this, this is what's happening. At least I'm seeing it all over the Facebook, my Facebook. Um, the spirit of divination is high right now. It says, when they say to you, Inquire of the mediums and the spiritists who chirp and mutter. Shouldn't a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Come on now, do you hear this? It says, should they inquire 
of the dead on behalf of the living. How many times have you been seeing people talking about, oh, I'm reaching out to my ancestors. My ancestors told me this. My ancestors said this. My ancestors are protecting me. People talking about crystals and sage and God consciousness and mixing Buddha and Christ and all this stuff is happening right now. This is what this is saying. Because what, what happened when COVID happened? People couldn't rely on the church. The church did not stand up and do what it needed to do. So people are, are looking to the spirit of di divinity, these mediums. I don't know if y'all noticed that. There's a lot more. At least maybe, maybe they've always been there and they're just making themselves more open because the, the church left room for that. So there's people, tarot cards, all of this. And it's right here in Isaiah. It's talking about that, about people reaching out to ancestors and stuff. That's crazy. Shouldn't they inquire of their God? Go to God's instruction and testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, there will be no dawn for them. Amen. Got to be about the word. We have to speak the word. We have to walk in the fear of the Lord. We have to. So um, so I wanted to kind of give some instructions on some of the things that you can think about when you're thinking about proud and lofty things. And oh, and I wanted to read you guys. Um, I love the Amplified. It's the bomb. This is what the Amplified says. It says, Uh, inasmuch, I'm reading five, inasmuch as we re refute arguments and theories and reasonings in every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. So we all know there's theories out there, arguments, reasonings, the realm of reasoning, it's, gonna, it's always going to lead us against God, against the knowledge of God. So it's so important that every time, like I loved, um, I think Tyler said it. He said that God is not a hate, God is not, he does not make decisions hastily. He makes decisions, um, I mean, anytime you're making a decision, you need to take and to, you need to take the time, you need to hear from the Lord. Don't do anything if you don't hear from the Lord, don't. Don't do it. Don't do it. I can tell you so many, so many ways not to do it. I should write a book. What not to do? Because <laughs> I've made a lot of hasty decisions. And but God is so faithful that he saw me out of every single one. He rescued me and threw me a party. Hallelujah. So really think about different theories and reasonings and different things that are going to come against the knowledge of God. And there's, you can take your pick. There's so many, even food choices take you against the knowledge of God. Because I'm telling y'all, I don't know what's been in the, the, this food, but it makes you drowsy, it makes you tired, makes you cloudy. And doesn't the word say to be sober? Even with food, I'm telling, food is also a drug. You can get addicted to it to all those different things in it. So I'm telling y'all, we have to be violent with this. We can't, we're in a war. So what do you do in a war? Are you just like, all right, y'all, let me go ahead and pick up my, my, my gun real quick. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, it's like this. 
pew, pew. No, <laughs> no. You got to come in there with, you know, like come in there with your authority, with confidence. You have confidence in the Lord. And you literally need to, we need to take inventory of every aspect of our life. We need to consider our ways. I want to go to Haggai 1 real, real quick. I'm almost done, y'all. Um, Haggai 1. So the coolest part about this, and the Lord is so awesome. So lately in my prayer time, what he's been doing is he'll, I'll, uh, he'll, the Holy Spirit will say, read this, and I'll read it. And then what, what he's been doing, actually, I'll just make it simpler. What he's been doing is he'll show me something in the Old Testament, and then he'll show me the prophecy um, uh, fulfilled in the New Testament. And I'm like, oh, that is so cool. And so really the cool thing about this is we're talking about the rebuilding of the temple. That is actually right here, Haggai, what we've been talking about. This is what this is the Lord's instructions to the Israelites before building the second temple. What we've been talking about in church, considering your ways. That's what he was doing. He was telling them, babies, before we build the second temple, you need to consider your ways because look what y'all did before. Need to and how awesome is that though that he still is telling us he's talking I mean he's still saying consider them he's still talking to us like we do our children like we should our children we sit them down and we talk to them and instead of just punishing them God doesn't do that that's awesome so it says here uh, I'm gonna start in two the Lord of Armies says this these people say the time has not come for the house of the Lord to be rebuilt. The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to live in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now the Lord of armies says this, think carefully about your ways. Mm -mm -mm. And then I'm going to go down a little bit. I, read all, I would really read all of this. Like if you have time, read. I'd read Haggai 1 and 2. It's very good. It'll... it'll um, really um, bring Ezra two and three together. Like it's all connected, so awesome. Um, so he says, cause of course it says all this stuff that they did and none of it worked out. And he says, when you brought the harvest to your house, I ruined it, why? This is the declaration of the Lord of armies because my house still lies in ruins while each of you is busy with his own house. I'm gonna go down to, Uh, I'm going to kind of, I'm, I'm at Haggai 12, 1, 12, but I'm going to summarize a little bit, and then I'm going to read Haggai 2, 9. So here um, he's talking about getting the, the entire remnant of the people who obeyed God in the words of the prophet. They're getting them all together and they're saying that they feared him. You see this? They begin to fear him again. They ha we have to fear God. Nothing's going to happen if we don't fear him. It won't. Think about it. As a wife, I realized that I really wasn't fearing Lewis as I should. He is the priest of our home, and I am an independent woman, but I need to submit. And I realized, and another word for fear is respect. There's things that you don't do when you respect somebody. And I'm telling you, God is a God of absolutes. It is or it isn't. There's things that you can't do when you respect somebody and you can't tell anybody, well, I do respect you. 
no, honey, if this is what you're doing and this isn't, uh, this isn't uh, showing respect, then you're not respecting me. It doesn't matter what's coming out of your mouth. So, we, we have to, so I had to consider my ways as a wife. Well, I'm not respecting him. I'm not honoring him. And, and, and I can't expect things from him if I'm not doing it. And sometimes that's what we do. We wait around for somebody else to do it when God's waiting on us to do it. Okay. And so that, I mean, that was a, a crazy lesson that I, I'm, I'm learning. Um, but let me continue here. So he's getting all the people together. They're fearing the Lord. He started rousing the spirit of all these awesome people that began the work on the Lord, on his temple. And they're talking more and more about, so here, I want to start at Haggai 2.6. Well, Haggai 2.5. This is the promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit is present among you. Don't be afraid. We have to, sometimes we have to be reminded. Get with God. If you, if you are feeling a little cloudy or a little confused, even though we know confusion is not of the Lord, he'll remind you. He'll remind you of things that you may have completely thought you forgot. He will. He'll remind you. And he'll, and he'll remind you of his word, of his promise. And uh, six says, for the Lord of armies says this, once more in a little while, and I feel like this is what's happening. This is, this is what he's setting us up to happen. I'm going to shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations so that the treasures of all the nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of armies. The silver and gold belong to me. And I need to tell you this. There was silver and gold in the temple when it was destroyed, and the Babylonian king took it for his own. But guess what? He had to give it back. Every single piece had to be given back. And not only that, is the foundation had to be built on the exact same spot as the first one. So the only thing that changed was the walls. That's it. The inside, the treasures that was in the temple had to be given back. The foundation that was originally the place where the first temple was built, the, the second temple had to be built there. So remember that. There's only one place that the temple can be built on, and that's on Jesus. That's on Christ. Can't be built anywhere else. And if you try to build it anywhere else, he will destroy it. Just saying. So he says, the silver and gold belong to me. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. The final glory of this house will be greater than the first, says the Lord of armies. I will provide peace in this place. This is the declaration of the Lord of armies. The Lord of armies. That is so awesome. Our commander in chief. He said that the glory, he said that the, the glo final glory of this house will be greater than the first. And doesn't it say that greater works will we do? Right? We are that temple that the greater glory is, is going to be, we are going to be used for that greater glory. So why is it not happening? I don't know about y'all, but I've been frustrated. I've been praying for my son, for his, I'm believing for his complete and total healing. But if his word says that faith is now and I'm not seeing something happening, then it's me. Because I fully believe and expect that when I ask the God for something and I believe in my heart for it, it's done. So I have to consider my ways. It's not God. So what am I doing wrong? Why are we not seeing the signs following those who believe? 
Why are we not seeing demons cast out? We're seeing people saved, for sure. But why are we not seeing these other things? Because we need to consider our ways. We, there's, I can't stress enough that God is trying to knead us together. He's trying to get us back to discipline. So close your eyes for a minute and think about, just think about one area that maybe you, that you need to work on, that you haven't really been disciplined in, or maybe an area that you kind of slacked off on. I know for me, I used to be so disciplined, so disciplined, so organized, and I let something come in, and it came in softly that I didn't recognize it. I didn't see it, and now I find myself in disarray, and now God is giving me an opportunity to come back and to start the processes again so that I can be disciplined in his word even more so than I was before. It's so grateful. And we can't get caught on the what could have beens. That, that none of that matters. That drives you down to doubt and double-mindedness when you're not sure what is real and what's not and you're tossed to and fro. When you believe the word, you believe it. I'm telling y'all, when you start standing firmly on the word about your healing, don't go back to the doctor. That's being double-minded. That's an unpopular opinion, but you can't believe both. Sometimes he will lead you to the doctor to get you to that next faith. He will, but don't keep going back. If maybe you need answers just to get you started, like I did, I needed answers, so I did go to the doctor first. But once I got that answer, I started believing the word, and I started getting disciplined in my eating. I, I, I started really looking at my life and realizing that I, was, I had been operating out of his will for so long but he loves me so much that he was there with me the whole time. I loved nursing, but it was me. That was all me. I did that in my mind. I wanted to help my husband and I got out of order. That's not what God told me to do. He told me to stay home. I didn't want to do that because I didn't believe my value at the time as a mother. I believed that my my help needed to come from outside the home, that I could do so much more. And that is not true. And so now I stand here and God healed me from that because regret tries to come in and doubt of who you are because you know you screwed up, but that's not how God is. He's there to help us. So please just take the time and, and to take inventory Take inventory of places that maybe you've been doubting him. Don't be double-minded. Stand firm on his word because the more that you allow yourself to go back and forth, things won't happen. That's where you're in that gray area and you can't be in that gray area. God doesn't work in the gray area. And in the areas that you doubt him, he can't work. There's nothing he can do there. So if you're doubting that he can come through in your finances, he can't. He's, he, God can only work in areas that you allow him, that you give him the authority. This morning, I found myself in prayer, and I said to God that I give you my mind, my will, and my emotions. I give them back to you, and we need to do that every day. 
We can't be wise in our own eyes. We need to fear him and turn away from evil. And I know sometimes we think because we're in church that we are turning away from evil, but there's e- evil doesn't always look like evil. It doesn't. Nowadays, evil don't look like evil. It smiles. Evil smiles. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful. There are, we got to remember If you think, remember anything from what I'm saying tonight, remember that there are processes, there is order, there is a place for everything, there is a place for you, there is a unique plan and purpose for you, there is an order in the kingdom of God, and there are absolutes, and we know that we're at war, and that we need to get it together, we need to pick up the weapons that we have been given, and we need to overthrow and destroy anything that comes against the knowledge of God. And we need to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. We have to. So I am encouraging you guys today to help rebuild the temple with me, to to be obedient and to be willing to build his church the way that he's called it to be built. And that's what he's been doing. He's been doing that in, in what we've been talking about He's been getting us, he's been needing us together. He's been trying to get us to open up to one another. That's so important. Um, when you have a squadron in the military, you learn each other. When you're deployed, that's, you only have each other. You can't be private. You can't sit over there in the corner. You're going to need each other. You're going to, it gets lonely. You're without your family. That is your family in that moment. And, you, and it's so important to allow yourself to be transparent. I grew up, we grew up, mom, me and mom grew up together. She was a young mom, just about as young as I was when I first had my baby. And I got to watch my mom grow up. And we grew up in an abusive environment. And God is so good. He's so good that that he delivered us from those things, from that baggage, from those generational curses. Uh, there was, I lived in fear almost every day. I learned how to lie really well because there were simple things that we just couldn't do in our house. And, and mom was our ally. It was literally like we were at war in my own house. That's crazy. And what, what's crazy is it becomes normal. After a while, you keep living in this environment it becomes normal you you have to learn how to adjust and you just deal with it it's not chaotic anymore so then when you get out in the world and you start to really grow you don't recognize what it is because this was normal even when it's not supposed to be normal it becomes normal so we got to get in his word and learn what normal is from God's eyes not from what we have carried around with us we got to get in his word and allow it to be that mirror and that reflection for us. I need tissue. Because we're, we're still carrying so much around with us that we shouldn't be. That isn't God. That was never God. So I learned fear. The, I learned the bad fear. And eventually that caught up to me. And I dealt with the symptoms of lupus because of it. God told me, this is fear. This 
that, all of that was fear personified inside of my body, fear getting out of control, and it became a disease. That's what fear does. Fear becomes sickness. Sin becomes sickness. That's what it is. And so I had to, I had to really take inventory, and, and there were areas that I didn't even know and when you overthrow, when you allow God to overthrow and destroy those strongholds, he will pluck the root out. He will talk to the fig tree. He will curse it at its root and it will die. There's, we don't, this is the thing. There's no reason for us to have to deal with anything too long. God can take care of it right then. So one of the things that slipped in too out of me uh, falling out of my discipline was I picked up a dependency on pain pills while I was dealing with lupus. And I had like seven surgeries between 2014 and 2016. And I'd been on medicine prior to discipline though. Something happened. I'm not gonna continue to try to figure out what that is because it doesn't matter at this point. It just needs to be gone. So I took it to God and he took it just like that. I try and and I tried. I tried to find. I tried to do it the world way at first. Tried to go to meetings. That wasn't my style. Tried to go to celebrate recovery. I didn't fit in. I knew that wasn't for me. I knew all I needed to do was just take it to God, and He would take it away. And I knew that I would. I needed to be transparent because I don't. I don't. I've been at this church for almost eleven years, and I don't think anybody really knows me. You know, I've allow. I know people. I, but I, I've, I've had this facade where I smile and I get to know other people, but I don't let them get to know me because I've, I've, I've carried shame for a long time. But I don't carry that anymore because shame doesn't live here anymore. The devil tried to, uh, even pastor even gave me a word about the shame, that the way that the shame looked on me was the devil trying to take, pull, it was coming out in my hair. And that was when he gave me a word about having a recovery center. And I've held on to that word. And the devil tries to come in different ways and friends. And, and he's going to find other ways every day. Every day he will not stop. He will not stop, you guys. He will not stop. He is insane. He doesn't, he, it's like he doesn't know that he's lost. He doesn't believe it. He will not stop. We have to be on the ready we have to be every day that you wake up. Don't get out of that bed without putting on your armor of God. However you need to do that, if you need to put your Bible, put some scriptures on the side of the bed, whatever you need to do, don't let that foot hit that floor without putting on your armor of God because the devil is going to come after you. The cool thing is after a while you get stronger and you won't recognize it, you know, or you, you'll recognize it, but it won't bother you as much. The arrows will hit, you know, you might sense it, but it's not going to do anything to you. But never let your guard down. Never think that you're at a place where you've arrived. We never arrive. We're constantly going from faith to faith and glory to glory. I'm, 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 I'm encouraging you guys. God is asking us who will build his church. Who is going to build his church? He's giving us a plea to build his church, the way that he has designed it to be built all along. And so go home tonight, spend some time in prayer and say, God, what, whatever high and lofty things that 
is exalting itself against the knowledge of you, I bind it in the name of Jesus. And I take, and you need to get violent with it. Quit being whispery in prayer. That's your war room. That's the problem. Like I said, we're going to, we're going to the war room like, like we're going to a tea party. That's for one, for one, that's not even the right attire. But you go to war in a dress? No. <laughs> you wouldn't. Put, make sure you go to your war room on the ready. Make sure that you you take it, but you're, you gotta be violent. The devil is violent with you. He's violent with us. He's violent with our family. He doesn't care. He's out there taking people every single day. There's people dying right now and they're going to hell. He doesn't care. We need to start caring. We're in a war. It's already won. But we are in a war. We can't forget that there's people out there that need to hear the word of the Lord. There's people out there that we need to get on our knees for and cry and shout until we're, we're, until we're hoarse. We got to quit coming to him timidly for he has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. How does power look like to you? Does it look like a soft whispering voice or is it a bold, strong voice? Can you imagine, I imagine God saying, thus says the Lord, just bold and strong and mighty. I encourage you to pick, pick up your armor, put on your armor. When you're going and you're setting up your disciplines, do it in every area. If you need to start eating better, because I'm telling you, Every area the devil is after us in our food. He wants you to start eating bad stuff to get you sluggish because we need to be in tip-top physical shape. We need to be in shape. You don't see fat people out on the battlefield? No, <laughs> you don't. You don't. Physically or mentally, not at all. We can't be lazy. You, I mean, you know, I, I got some veterans here. Y'all know you have to, and I even tried to get into the military too, but then I followed this man right here. I was literally in the hotel room about to swear in the next morning and I snuck out y'all. Yes, I shouldn't have did that. But, you know, young love. But, you know, there's criteria. Everybody can't be in the army of the Lord. They can't. There's certain criteria. And I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that I'm approved. I'm going to make sure that what I put in my body is... I'm going to make sure that what I put inside my body is worthy. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I need to treat my body with respect. And I wasn't. I had beautiful teeth and... Taking pills started jacking my teeth up. It, di it didn't matter that I threw up with, my, with the boys. I was adding to it. But you know what? I wasn't taking care of myself because I didn't know my worth. But I do now. I know who I am in Christ. I may not have it all together. I may still be trying to figure out what my next step is. But I'm right here and I'm standing firm on his word. And I'm putting on my armor and I'm not taking any more crap from the devil anymore. I have had enough. 
And I hope that you guys have had enough too. And I hope that you answer the call tonight to stand up and to be the real church because we need the real church right now in this world. There are people dying and they need us to rise up. They need us to speak the truth, the divine truth. They need us to help give them the tools that is in this word that they need because people are dying out there. This is serious business and we need to start getting serious about his business because we haven't been. We've been playing around and we're not and God isn't playing any games and I'm not either I encourage you guys tonight maybe you need to disable Facebook for a little bit maybe you need to disable TikTok whatever it is to get you back where you need to be to get discipline and discipline is tough think about the physical test that you've had to do to get your body in shape it's sucks. I was going to, well, I already said it. It stinks. It hurts. It's hard, but it is worth it. Oh man, I didn't like track y'all, but every time I got on that track and I was running and I realized that I was winning, it was worth it. And you know what I say to myself? I'm like Nakia, I, I, I'm, I'm a big prepper, prep talk in my head. Nakia, like my, my race was the 200 baby because I was too slow for the hundred I came out slow in the blocks by the time I got up the race was over so I could get you on the on the hundred come around that curve baby everybody's starting to slow down I'm just getting getting it together and man it was worth it and I would tell myself I'm like I don't want to do this I don't want to do this I'm like Nakia it's literally less than 30 seconds you can do it you need to talk you might need to talk to yourself like that to get through Maybe take it a little bit at a time. Sometimes we try to take, bite off more than we can chew. Take a little, literally a little bit at a time. Maybe set timers. Whatever it is, you, everybody knows, you know, your, you know your weaknesses. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you've been lying to yourself about your weaknesses. We do that too. So maybe you need to sit down with yourself or a trusted person that you know will tell you the truth in love. Just say, give it to me. We, we know when, we, when you know somebody, you know their weaknesses. Be honest with them. Help each other. That's where we're at right now. We're here to help each other. I'm telling you guys these things to keep me accountable, too. I need y'all, and I need you. I'm so grateful for you. You have been such a good friend. I prayed for a friend like you. I'm so honored to be your friend. And I have not been a good friend because I got caught up in addiction. And addiction takes, it's a thief. But you know what, God is so good. You guys, I, there was a possibility that I couldn't have been standing here because I've put things in my body that I'm sure was not what, what it was poison. But what does his word say about poison that we'll be able to take? And I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud, but I'm telling you this because I'm a testament to God's faithfulness and his goodness despite what I was doing, despite being filthy and covered in sin and shame. I'm here. I'm right here, and I get to tell you that it's time to buck up. It's time for us to get busy. It's time for us to get disciplined. I can't. I, I'm not even mad at myself for letting myself get where I where I've been to where I need to get I'm I'm happy that I recognize it and that I'm getting another opportunity to make things right praise God
that I get another opportunity. We get another chance to do this. We get another chance. You're not too old to be in the army of the Lord. Hallelujah. We don't have age limits here. <laughs> not like the army is, what, 37, I think? Man, I just missed the cutoff. So you got to fear the Lord. It begins with fearing the Lord. We got to fear him. We don't fear him because we're letting so much filth inside of us. So much. Check your associations. Get rid of some of those apps. Stop talking to some of these people. You got to be serious with this. I'm for real. Don't play nice. This is not the time to play nice. Not at all. And you know what? We can keep reading. I love Kenneth Hagin. I love reading about him. I love reading about Smith Wigglesworth, but I'm ready for it right now. I'm tired of reading about the old stuff that happened. I'm tired of reading about the glory days. Now is the time, and that's where God's trying to get us to. I know you guys are ready to see Emery running around this church. I know you guys are ready to see people throwing walkers and dancing. I know you're ready to see tumors fall off. I know you're ready to see demons cast out of people and people delivered. It is time. We are answering the call right now in this moment. Will you guys stand with me? What an honor it is to be in the Lord of armies. This is the last scripture I'm going to read to you. I almost forgot. It's Joel 2.11. And the Lord utters his voice before his army. For his host is very great. And they are strong and powerful who execute God's word. For the day of the Lord is great and very ter terrible. And who can endure it? Therefore, also now, says the Lord, turn and keep on coming to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping and with mourning until every hindrance is removed and the broken fellowship is restored. Rend your hearts and not your garments and return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and revokes his sentence of evil when his conditions are met. There's conditions. There's processes. I know that I'm going to be doing a fast myself because there's some things that I need to get, get in line. And the best thing to do, if you don't know where to start, just fast. Get that, get that flesh into subjection. Don't give your flesh a chance to say anything. Seriously. We, we've been playing too long and letting our flesh do way too much talking. My flesh, I'm not going to let it talk no more. It's not going to tell me nothing anymore. It's not. We are the Lord's army. Look at y'all. It's a beautiful army. He's kneading our hearts together. We are, we are the squad. We are his squadron. This church, Winner's Church, is just one of his squadrons. There's so many. But he's beginning to reveal the real squadrons, the real armies. And, and there's going to be people in here that there, there's going to be people coming in and out of here. And we, we need to recognize who, who's part of our squadron and who isn't. We need to be praying, protecting this house. Because this, this house was built on the foundation of Christ, on the cornerstone. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are the Lord's army. Repeat that with me. We are the Lord's army. We are the Lord's soldiers. 
We are willing. We are obedient to do the will of the Lord. I'm just going to pray us out. Does anybody have any questions? Father God, I just thank you. Lord, we are, we are accepting the call to arms tonight. Lord, we give you our mind, our will, and our emotions. We place them into subjection to your will and to your word. We will not, we, hallelujah, we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We take everything under subjection to the word. Right now in the mighty name of Jesus, we overthrow and destroy every thought, every purpose, every argument that comes against the knowledge of Christ. Right now in the mighty name of Jesus, we take on and put on the full armor of God and we walk forth boldly and with authority into your promise, into your plan. Lord, we are taking it back by force. We are your temple and the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We are a righteousness of Christ. We are your beloved and we answer the call to arms right now in the mighty name of Jesus. We are at war, a war that you have already won. And we accept that and we receive our orders Tonight, we receive the orders of the assignment that you have given us. And we thank you for the unique assignments that you've given each and every one of us. We thank you for the processes that you have put in your word for us to be able to do the assignment well. We thank you, Lord, that every assignment that you have given us, Lord, that we don't have to do it alone, that we do it with you, Lord, that you do it through us. We thank you, Lord, that we are not doing it in our might and in our power or in our strength. And it is not by might or by power or by strength, but it is by your spirit that we get it done. We thank you, Lord, that this is your house, that this house was built on a firm foundation, that this house was built on your cornerstone, that this house has been built on the rock, that this house has been built on your divine truth. We thank you, Lord, for your divine truth. We thank you for plucking out anything that goes against the divine truth in, in our lives, Lord. We thank you for the consecration and the purification of our lives right now, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are taking the impure out right now and that the gold and the silver are rising up to the top because the gold and the silver that belong in the temple is yours and we thank you Lord for the treasures that are in the temple Lord we thank you Lord for restoring your temple to its to a, a better glory Lord that's what your word says that this temple will be a greater glory than the past temples were Lord and we thank you father we thank you Lord for your word we thank you for your for the assignment Lord, we thank you for the uniqueness that we have. We thank you, Lord, that you are needing each and every one of our hearts together. We thank you, Lord, that we will be able to count on one another, that we are in a squadron together, that we can count on one another, Lord, because we are in this together, that we are not battling or warring alone, that we have one another to count on, Lord, that we will be able to be dependable and reliable, Lord, that we will be able to call on one another for prayer, and we will do it, Lord, that you will be able to count on us, that you will be able to trust us, Lord. Your word says 
And we repeat what your word says that here I am, send me. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your wisdom and the revelation and the knowledge of you. We thank you, Lord, that we are going forth and we are going to be reflections of you. We thank you, Lord, that the uniform that you have given us is you, that we carry you with us, Lord, and people will recognize you in us without us even opening our mouths, that they will see the uniform of the Lord of armies on us, that they will see the stripes that we wear according to your word, Lord, and they will know that we are not of this world. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, and we thank you. We wear the badge of honor that you have given us, that you've bestowed upon us, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we don't take this lightly. We thank you that you are our commander in chief <laughs> and you lead us and you guide us into all truth. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your wisdom, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that it won't be easy getting back into being disciplined, but it will be worth it, that we will be fit in every way, that we will be sober-minded, Lord, that we will be strong in our minds and in our will and our emotions, Lord, because we are giving those back to you right now. And Lord, the way that we will honor you with our mind, will, and emotions is in praise, is in prayer, is in an expression that our mind, will, and emotions will only reflect you, that that your that we have the mind of Christ that we have that we follow your will and that our emotions will be expressive of your love we thank you lord we give those back to you things that you so freely gave us we give it back to you willingly right now lord tonight we answer the call Lord, we are, we are re-enlisting into your army tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are swearing in right now into your army, Lord. We thank you that we are making a commitment, that we are signing on the dotted line, that we are giving our lives back to you right now, Lord. We thank you for the new orders. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you for another opportunity to re-enlist into your army. We thank you, Lord. And we forget not your benefits. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Father. Oh, we thank you, Lord. And we say boldly in agreement in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.